Well, is it just me or does it seem like we're taking more and more pictures all the time? I mean, everywhere you go, someone has their number one camera device and they're taking pictures. And maybe it's a cool picture, maybe it's a selfie picture, uh, but we're taking pictures all the time. And then immediately people post it on Facebook or Instagram or X now. Like, what's up with that? It was Twitter, and now we can't tweet, we just say exit, I guess. Um, but that's what we do. And uh, many people, they just love pictures, selfies, pictures that they take, and it has captured us as a culture. But if you want to be really, really cool, what you'll do is you'll actually go ahead and make a short little video, and then you post it on a reel or a TikTok. And because I am so cool, I want you to check my little small video out right now. So look at the side screen. Okay, as you can tell, I still have some work to do. Um, but uh, hey, you know what? If you want an autograph later on, come on up and uh, we'll get the TikTok maybe better and uh, we'll even post it and uh, kind of see what's going on. Well, uh, the truth is, is that uh, for many of us, uh, pictures and videos, they communicate everything in our life anymore. They have a tendency to show exactly uh, what our life is about. It captures our lives. In fact, there's an old phrase that goes like this. A picture is worth a what? Yeah, a thousand words. And, and I ultimately really believe that. That in our culture today, more than words, it's pictures or images that really kind of describe who we are and our connection with this world. And I'm old school. I not only like to actually go through and flip through all my pictures on my phone, but I also like to look at old photo albums or weddings because it really does describe that. I don't know what it is, but there's something about me that just loves pictures. You know, uh, pictures are really cool and they capture uh, so many things in our life. And I think Christmas, maybe more than any other holiday, actually truly does have more pictures than any other time. If you think about it, uh, many people, when they send out Christmas cards, they typically do it not with words, but with pictures. For example, how many of you, by a show of hands, those of you on the stream, go ahead and join us as well. How many of you sent out Christmas cards with pictures on it? Go ahead, raise your hand if that was you. Okay, Uh, several people did. And when we do that, uh, that's what we enjoy doing. Now, uh, I think there are different categories, though, to these Christmas cards that have our pictures of our family or, uh, you know, of ourselves on it. And uh, the first one is what I call the destination card. This is where a person actually posts uh, a picture of somewhere where they went uh, during the year. It might be like Disney World with this picture. 
Or it might be a warm place like Myrtle Beach, and they'll actually, you know, send out a picture of that. And every time that I get a destination card, this is often what I think. I'll look at it, and maybe you're there too. I'll look at it, and I'll go, wow, they go everywhere. You know what? We went nowhere this year. Uh, You know what? My life is really, really boring. I hate these kind of Christmas cards, you know, and then I move on. Now, there's a second type of category of Christmas cards, and it's called the Supermodel Mom Card. This is the card where we know moms usually pick out the cards. And what happens is the mom looks really good and she picks out the card. And it doesn't matter if the husband is staring off in space, if the kid has his eyes closed, if the kid's picking his nose. It doesn't matter what the card is. As long as the mom looks good, that's the card that we're going to send out. There's also what I call the brag card. You ever get one of these before? They send you a card and then they write about all the wonderful things that are going on in their life and they brag about it to just let you know that their life is really great and yours sucks. I mean, like, you know, it's just bad. It's not good at all. And after reading it, you start thinking to yourself, I didn't do Jack this year. Like, there was nothing that I did. My kids have no talent whatsoever. Their kids have done everything. My family is dysfunctional, and I haven't accomplished a thing. And that's another type of card. Well, there might be other categories to cards as well, but here are some of them. But the truth is this, folks, that no Christmas card is realistic. Every Christmas card, whoever sends it out, is unrealistic. I mean, we might put on our best clothes and we might have a great smile, but the reality is what may have happened just before that is mom and dad got in a huge fight in the car. They had to do everything to bribe their kids to actually take the picture, to actually be able to enjoy it. They had to give them toys and everything else to do this. And I mean, we, we might be matching in our, our clothes and we might have, you know, this perfect color and we might have perfect lighting. But Christmas cards, when we send them out, are just not realistic. It's just not realistic. Well, this Christmas, our family actually uh, did a Christmas card where we took pictures. I think we have a picture of it here on the side screen. And you might look at that at first glance and go, wow, that's a pretty good picture for the bunches. They look good. But what I'd like you to notice real quickly is my forehead. What you'll notice on every single one of them is I have a big forehead. And it was noticeable through this whole process. Also, what you'll notice is my gray hair. I have gray hair. I tried to ask Jennifer, my wife, to filter it out to make me look better, but she made the card. And she said no. And she wanted to look good. And as you can tell, she looks good. And, you know, uh, the girls uh, look good, too. And it looks like they're helping a senior citizen with gray hair and a big forehead. That's it. You know, uh, with this picture, though, this is what can happen many times is that you can create your own storyline. But until you know that person personally. Until you know the essence of them, until you know them up close, you never really understand the whole situation. For example, with mom and dad in the picture, the truth is they might be going through a marriage conflict right now. And they're separated or they're close to divorce. And there's a lot of pain within that relationship. 
There may be a picture of a child and they look smiling and everything's great, but there's tons of behavioral issues and they're rebelling big time and there's all kinds of hurt and pain that they're causing to the rest of the family. There might be a person that's in the family that actually, when, they look at the, when you look at the picture, they have a health issue. They haven't gone public with it yet, but they're going through something very difficult in their health world, a health crisis, but they don't say anything. They just show us an image, we get the photograph, and something there is captured. Now, what if I walked up to you and I asked you, What is your image of God's son? What is your image of actually Jesus himself? Well, for some of you and for many Americans uh, over the next couple days, their number one image is of Jesus in a crib. This is your first fill-in either in the program or if you're on the stream on the app as well, or you can use the app. But the first image that you have is, hey, when I think of Jesus, I think of Jesus in the crib. I think of Jesus actually in the manger. That is the picture that I have of him. In fact, that's exactly what the great race car driver, uh, Ricky Bobby, had uh, when it came to Talladega Nights. When he thought of Jesus, he thought of the infant baby Jesus. In fact, he said this prayer. He prayed this, dear eight pound, six ounce Jesus, newborn infant Jesus, never did a bad thing in his life. Just a little infant, so cuddly, so tiny. Thank you for all of your power and your grace, dear baby God. And that's his prayer. And for Ricky Bobby, when he thought of the image of Jesus, what he thought of was the baby Jesus, the one in the manger. Now, Hollywood might kind of capture us to think of Jesus in the crib, that he's in this small little kind of baby that can't do anything. But the truth is, Scripture captures not just the birth of who Jesus is as some funny thing, but it actually is of God leaving heaven to come to earth. That God himself came in flesh, leaving from heaven to come to have a relationship with you and me. Christmas is all about the divine capture of God coming down in the form of Christ so that he would capture our hearts. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, it says this, He, that is being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. You see, it's in the crib that Jesus captured our humanity. God's love came down in the form of a human being. God came to live among us, to understand us. He came in flesh to be with us, and he captured our understanding, our hearts through humanity. The crib actually captured our humanity. That's what Jesus did in the crib. Now, there's a big theological word for this called the incarnation. But rather than us spending a ton of time talking about that today... Uh, what you can do is you can just look back because I talked about it all last Sunday in our teaching called Weird Christmas. And it's on the app about Jesus, 
about God leaving heaven to come downstairs to earth to have a relationship with you and with me. But rather than going over that theological kind of concept again, let me just ask you this question. Have you ever been betrayed before? Have you ever had someone gossip about you? Have you ever been ripped off before? Have you ever had someone stab you in your back? Well, the truth is, I think every single human being could say that. And some of you, even though it's Christmas, you're feeling that because that's what it has felt like for you for a long period of time. Over the past year, maybe you have been hurt in some amazing ways that no one else understands, but you know. And the pain and the hurt is there. And there's this thought in your mind. And you say it to yourself regularly. No one understands. No one understands the pain and the hurt that other people have caused me in my life. And I would just simply say that as you think of that phrase, nobody understands. I'd just like to add two words to the end of it. And those two words are like Jesus. Nobody understands like Jesus. For others of you, maybe it's not that someone stabbed you in your back, but you're going into Christmas and you're really fretting it big time. You're concerned about it. You're worried about it. You're anxious about it. You're sad about it because someone will not be around the table who was there last year. Someone in your life died. Someone close, someone you care for, or maybe it's just the image of the fact that you've lost someone and they're not going to be there. And Christmas is always a challenge. And in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, no one understands. No one understands. And what I'd like you to do is to take that phrase and just add two words to the end of it. No one understands like Jesus. No one understands like Jesus. Jesus. You see, the truth is, folks, is that Jesus is a sympathetic Savior. He has been where you are at. Whatever it is that you're going through, He has already been there. He has experienced every human pain, every human emotion, every human disappointment, and He understands and He cares for you. And it was in the crib... That Jesus captured our humanity to understand exactly what we're going through. Now, there's a second image of Jesus as well. And it's this image right here of Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. Now, maybe more than any other symbol in the entire kind of world, the cross is maybe the most visible. People wear it as a necklace. They have it regularly around in their homes or in their car. We see it on churches. We see it in public places. And it is here that we understand Jesus on the cross. That's the image that maybe some of you have. Now, Uh, It's on the cross that Jesus actually took on our calamity. On the cross, Jesus captured our calamity. Now, some of you might be saying, calamity? Chris, why are you bringing that word up on Christmas Eve? Like, I don't get that. What's up about calamity? What are you talking about? 
Well, when I'm talking about calamity, what I'm talking about is sin. What is sin? Sin actually comes from a Greek word that has an archery term. It's of a person who is getting ready to allow their arrow to be shot, but when they shoot to the target, it misses the mark. It goes off. It goes into a different direction. You simply missed the mark. You know, the one thing that we all have in common, those of you on the stream and everybody here in the auditorium, the one thing every single one of us have in common is this. We've all flubbed up, messed up, and screwed up in this thing called life. Every single one of us have sinned. I've sinned and you have sinned as well. There is only one perfect God who is holy. You and I are not. In fact, think about this. No one ever had to teach you how to sin, did they? You're just naturally good at it. I mean, you think about it. You're awesome at doing wrong things at different times. My whole life, I have never had an issue of having someone have to teach me how to do sin. I'm really good at it. I do it extremely, extremely well. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 says this. An evil person is captured by their sin. They are ropes that catch and hold them. They will die for lack of self-control. They will be lost because of their great foolishness. Folks, what happens is that sin ties us up. We're roped up. We're tied up. We're tangled up. That's what happens to so many of us as we experience sin. That's what sin does. And yet on the cross, what did Jesus do? Jesus actually captured our sin. He captured our wrongs. He actually captured our shame. You see, on the cross, what happened was, is that every single sin that was ever committed by you was placed upon Jesus. Every sin that was ever committed in the history of the world was placed upon him. And what happened in that moment is that an exchange took place. I looked at the biggest book that I had in my library, and it was this one. And this is what literally happened on the cross when Jesus actually took on our calamity. If you can imagine with me, this book represents all of your sins. Now, I know some of you, this book is not big enough, okay? But it's as big as I had. And what happened in that moment when Jesus went to the cross, an exchange took place. All of your sin was placed upon the cross, and you were what? Set free. You have nothing now to carry. No sin to carry at all. He actually took on everything, every sin in your life, and you were forgiven and set free. We were set free because on the cross, he captured our calamity. Now, 
There's one more picture that many times we ignore or we don't think of when we think of the image of Jesus. And uh, if you're really going to understand Christmas, you've got to understand this picture as well. And it is of the crown. Jesus actually with a crown. Now, I don't know how big Jesus's head was when that crown of thorns was placed upon his head. But when you're a little boy, you'll look up to your father often as the person that you look at the most. And when I looked up to my dad, this is what I noticed. He has a big head. Like he has a gigantic big head. And bunch men down the line have had big heads. And when I was born, guess what? I had a big head. And the truth is, I still have a big head today. Now, I never knew I had a big head until one day I went to my favorite uh, restaurant as a kid, Burger King. And when you go to Burger King, they give you this little crown. And they put it on your head. And the problem is, it would not fit on my head. No matter what I tried to do, it would not fit. And I felt so self-conscious because I have a big head. And it would not work. Now now they actually have these little things. that, But at the time, it was just one. And you put it in and all the kids are like, oh, wonderful. And here's Bunch with the big head. You know, he just didn't have it. And the truth is, is that for some of you... You have a tendency to be chasing after the wrong crowns. Me too. It just doesn't fit. So let me ask you this morning. Have you been chasing the wrong crowns lately? Maybe it's a possession crown. You're, you're trying your, your best to be like, I want the, the newest phone or the newest clothes or a newer car or a new house or whatever that is. And you're chasing after these possessions. And the reality is the crown doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit quite well enough. Or maybe for others of you, it's pleasure. You're constantly chasing the crown of pleasure to have fun all the time, to hook up with whoever you want, whenever you want, to drink this, to do that, to, you know, kind of do some illegal stuff that no one else knows, but you know, and you're chasing after all of these pleasures, all of this kind of stuff, and it just doesn't fit. The crown doesn't quite fit. Or maybe for some of you, it is power. You're working your way up the ladder. You work all the time. You're not around your family. You're trying to do more and more and more and more and more for more power in the workplace. But it just doesn't quite fit. You know, a lot of us, our entire lives, that's what we do. We just chase after crown, after crown, after crown, after crown until we get tired. And this is what's so great about Jesus. He loves us enough to give us free will. And he loves us enough to allow us to chase after any crown that we want. And he's patient. He's extremely patient. And he waits until ultimately you come to the point where you realize, you know what, there's only one crown. And it only fits one head. And that is the crown that is given to Jesus Christ himself. It's he's the one who takes on all of that. And he has captured 
that with our, our royalty. It's with the crown folks that Jesus captured our royalty. Now, you might be wondering right now, that's not really a word we use all the time. First, you talked about calamity, Chris, and now you're talking about royalty. Like, what's that about? Well, you see, folks, because of what Jesus did in the crib and because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I are then adopted into a royal family, a family that is given to us from heaven that when our life here is done, we immediately become a part of royalty in heaven and we turn to him. But in order to do that, you must come to the point where you say to yourself, I am going to crown you, Jesus, the king of my life. I'm going to crown you above everything else. I don't want the crown. I am crowning you. And I will choose to bend my knee to make you Lord of my life. And I give my one and only life to you. I crown you. I'm not going to chase any other crowns. And so let me ask you this morning, have you crowned him as king? Have you crowned him as king of your life? Philippians chapter two, verse 10 and 11 says this, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many knees are going to bow to Jesus? What's it say? Every knee. Every single knee one day will bow to him. Now it doesn't say that every single knee is a Christian or every single knee will be in heaven. It just says that every single knee will bow. And the truth is this, folks, you'll either choose to bow now or you will bow later. But the reality is, is that for some of you and for some people, you might wait and it would be too late. So the question is, what is the crown that you're going to give? When will you crown him king of your life? Will you crown him of king of your life today? Or will you just say, well, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, somebody invited me. I came here, but I'm just doing it for them. Or will you actually say, no, 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 no. This day is for me. I am crowning him king of my life. Will you do that now while you have a choice? Folks, I'm asking you today on Christmas Eve Do you know him as king? Do you know Jesus? A few years ago, a guy in our church invited me to his grandma's house because his grandpa was very, very sick. And when I walked into the house, I walked in and up on the wall was this picture of Jesus. And when I walked in... uh, I saw this picture, but as I started a conversation with this grandma of a lady, I soon learned there was no Jesus in her. Jesus was just on the wall. 
And she was very tough and rough and her language was rough and she didn't care about me being there and it was just bad. And I kept thinking, how am I going to get out of here? And I sat there and she's going off and all of this and blaming God for her husband's sickness and everything's there. And I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. And it wasn't like this little cute, like, oh, Jesus, you know, up on there. And oh, look at this nice grandma. She loves Jesus. I kept wondering in my in my mind, does she just have a picture of Jesus or does she actually know him? I mean, it's one thing to have an image of Jesus in the crib or on the cross or with the crown. But it's another thing to actually know him personally. Well, shortly after one of our visits, my friend's grandpa actually died. And I went to go visit the grandma and something happened. She was totally softened. And her heart was not hard anymore. And she started going to church a little bit. She came here to the jar for a few times. And I'll never forget asking my friend, like, what changed? And he said, well, one day I was visiting with grandma and she was kind of the way that you understood her. And I just looked at her in the face. And I said, do you know that man on your wall? she said, no, I don't, but I want to. And it was in that moment that she bowed her knee and she said, I crown you king of my life. And her life was changed for eternity. Today, Christmas Eve 2024, I would just want to simply ask you, have you crowned Jesus king of your life have you said I want him to be king of my life some of you are sitting there today and you're like oh yeah I already did that but if we were to look at how much time you spend with him you've kind of drifted away you've kind of done your own thing and maybe today is the day where you know what I want to be back in line with him I want to crown him I want to actually kneel before him and I want to say you're crowned king I'm giving everything to you because this is the truth about Christmas that you can either be captured by all the pictures and the images or you can be captured by the one who went in the crib and on the cross and now he gives you an opportunity of a crown to choose him as king of your life and will you choose to do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for sending your one and only Son over 2,000 years ago. God, I pray right now that you would do a great work in our hearts. Open us up to your spirit in this moment. Today, right now, as you're sitting there, if for some of you, you've drifted away from Christ, 
you didn't do it intentionally, but you just started drifting a little bit more each week, each month of this past year. Today's the day where you can drift back into a relationship with Him. If you've found yourself seeking other crowns and it's gotten in the way of you actually giving your one and only life to Christ, today's the day where you can return back to Him. He has open arms. He says, come back, fill a part of my family, your royalty. Quit chasing other crowns. Chase me. And if that's you, if you already know Christ, but you're like, you know what? I've been chasing all these other crowns. I want to chase him. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. No one's looking around. The lights are down. For those of you on the stream to do the same, that you just raise your hand. Say, Chris, that's me. That's me. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for each hand that is raised. I pray that you would renew their life in a new way. I pray that you would draw close to them. Because we know as they draw close to you, God, you will draw close to them. I pray right now that as they cast all their cares upon you, whatever they are, that they would know that you take those on. Because you got out of the crib and off of the cross and you rose again so that you could have a relationship with them. And regardless of how far they've drifted away today, God, They can come back and receive you now. And if that's you, just silently in your head, you might say, God, I receive you, receive me. God, I receive you, receive me. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, some of you right now, if I were to ask you, have you ever crowned Jesus Lord of your life? Some of you would say, you know what? Actually, I haven't. I've crowned myself. Maybe you've crowned other people, but you've never crowned him Lord of your life. And you're like, I'm actually, there's too much in my past, Chris, that I don't think he would choose to allow me to do that. And I want you to know that's a lie. Today, the God of heaven who came down from heaven to earth that first Christmas is present today. And he says, I want a relationship with you. Scripture actually says this, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. And that includes you. Anyone who calls upon him, he says, I'll make you whole. I'll make you complete. I'll give you a new life. That's why he came in a crib. And he died on a cross and he rose again to say, you can be royalty with me forever If you'll turn to me. And right now, this is your opportunity. And so today, if you're ready to say, I want to crown him for the first time in my life, king of my life. I've never done that. Maybe I went to church at one time, but I've never had a real moment where I crowned him king. Today is your day. I'm going to invite you right now in a prayer. It's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together in community. And I invite you just to bow your head and to, uh, if you feel comfortable, repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I want you to be king of my life. Forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you were born in a crib, died on a cross, and rose again 
so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Uh, Welcome to the kingdom of God. Hey, if you did say that prayer, I'd love to be able to connect with you. Because the truth is, if you said that prayer for the first time, all of heaven is celebrating. And I'd like to connect with you as well. Either on the card, our connect card on the back, there's a place that said accepted Christ. If you can check that, that'd be awesome. Or on the app as well. And I'd like us to uh, take a moment right now for us to kind of uh, stand. So if you would, everyone stand. And we have a tradition here at the jar where each year we close with Silent Night. And what we try to do as we close is to encourage people to show love and affection towards their family. And so in just a moment, as we're singing... We're going to invite you to actually show some act of love or affection uh, to your family, to your friends that you came with. Now, for some families, that's just a handshake. For others, that's like, you know, uh, a hug. For others, that might be, hey, I don't hate you as much as I did last year, okay? I mean, I get it, okay? I really do. Whatever it is... We want you to do that during this time as we sing. And we only have one rule, and this is the rule. If you didn't come in the same car or you're in the same family with them, don't touch them. There is no time to pick up a date today, okay? No stranger danger here in the jar. If you don't know them, just wave. But otherwise, as we kind of close with Silent Night, We want to give you an opportunity to be able to just show some love, some affection. We'll do a couple verses because some families need warmed up a little bit. And uh, we invite you to do that as the band leads us. So let's do that now. Silent night, holy night, oh. Round yon virgin mother and child Holy infant so tender and mild Sleep in heavenly peace Sleep in
to do something, but you don't do it. And you don't want to wait, folks, I'm telling you. And so uh, this particular last verse, give a hug, give some love. Merry Christmas from our family to all of you. Have a wonderful time. And one last verse and give a hug to everybody, okay? Here we go. Sing that one more time, our voices. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Do. Mm-hmm. 